Welcome to American Indian Living, a program developed by the Native Education and Health Initiative to improve and enhance the health of people throughout the Native communities. American Indian Living is hosted by Dr. David DeRose, a board-certified specialist in both internal medicine and preventive medicine. Dr. DeRose has a wide range of experience with Native health issues, and he's ready today to help you learn more about your health. Here's Dr. DeRose. Welcome to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Today we've got an exciting show lined up for you. It's one that's going to be dealing with a topic that really is so important throughout Indian country and beyond. We're talking about the subject of meaning and purpose in life and how transformative that can be. I know this is something close to the hearts of my Native American listeners, but we're going to be looking at it from perhaps a different perspective. To aid us in this very important topic in this dialogue is Harold G. Koenig. Dr. Koenig is the director for the Center for Spirituality, Theology, and Health at Duke University. Harold, it is great to have you with us on today's edition of American Indian Living. David, it's a pleasure to be on here with you. Now, Harold, you did not require any introduction at all for many of my health professional listeners. If they know anything about the field of spirituality and health, they realize that you are uh, one of the most widely published authors. I mean, I haven't done a search. Maybe you are the most uh, published author in recent times looking at this topic, but you've got a whole lot out there, and a lot of people in the medical community know your name. But tell us a little bit about you, because it's one thing to say, well, this guy's a high-powered researcher from Duke University, but you're a person just like all the rest of us, and there must have been something that drove you to your interest in this uh, whole discipline. Well, David, you know, it's it's been a long journey. It's now been over 30 years. Um, you know, I started, I started in medical school, um, and then got expelled from medical school. Wow! And then, um, you know, to, uh, you know, I was I was having issues. I was having issues, and I started out by then trying to get my sanity back, and uh, you know, be, started out as the gas station attendant. Wow! I, yeah, I did that for a while, and and then. Uh, you know, I tried to work out in the grape fields. Uh, my dad was a farmer, so uh, I tried to work for him. That that didn't work so well. Um, then I got back into the medical field by by uh, getting a job as an orderly on the night shift. Hmm. And uh, you know, after that, I did that for a while, and uh, then uh, then decided I want to become a nurse. So, you know, I I went ahead and went to nursing school, and then once I graduated from nursing school, I became a physician. You know, I went back to medical school, basically. Uh-huh. And to a different medical school than the one that expelled you? No, it was actually the same medical school. It was the University of California at San Francisco. Really? So I was very fortunate that they, now, of course, they had to do some they had to do a psychiatric evaluation before they let me back in, but I, I apparently passed that, and so I got back in and, uh, you know, then graduated from medical school and became a family physician. And it was, you know, it was that time as a, I went through a residency in family medicine, and, and it was during that time that I began to do research on spirituality and health. I guess 
that was a that was a, a time when I was kind of looking for answers myself. I had had another kind of you know a little bit of a bump in the road. My uh, I got got divorced, mm. and uh, you know I was pretty shaken up by that. And so you know I was I was looking for sources of of hope and meaning in life. As, as you know, as, mm-hmm. as this show is supposed to be about, and um, you know, I I was so lost, so lost. I was actually on my surgical rotation when my wife left. So I wow. was gee whiz. It was I was an intern. I was on my surgery rotation. It was this was tough, and uh, so I was searching for things, and then somehow, I guess I started asking patients. Hmm. I asked them how they were coping. I figured, you know, they many a pretty older patients because uh-huh. I was kind of specializing in geriatrics. So I would ask them, you know, how do you cope with this stroke or this heart attack or being disabled? And you know, I they <laughs> they kept telling me it was their religious faith, uh-huh. and this was not something that I had expected at all. But and and this was not at like a religious hospital or anything. This was like at a community hospital in Springfield, Illinois. Uh-huh. This is this is fascinating, Harold. It's just fascinating because as I'm listening to your story, a lot of us can relate to this. I mean, this is not just everything good happening, just falling into place in your life. I mean, you've really known what it's like to struggle. Now, some people are listening and and to your credit, we're going to speak about a book of yours where I, where you share some of this biography. You're not trying to make your life sound like some kind of hard luck story. There's plenty of people that have suffered a lot more than either one of us. But I, I'm I'm just you know really engaged by this whole dynamic because this is not the typical trajectory. A lot of people get into medical school. I mean, it may seem like a small number, but few get expelled. And then go on to become not only physicians, but become leaders in their field. So, I mean, you've got all of us on the edge of our sh- our seats. Well, thank you, David. It was, you know, it was quite a challenge those years. But, you know, uh, really, things began to turn around when I took the advice that my patients were telling me. And, and it was at that time that you know, I started to look more deeply into religious faith and spirituality and and found and found meaning and purpose there. Mm-hmm. I, I you know, I was I I was on a obstetrics rotation where I was assisting the real doctors. This was during residency, the real doctors at delivering babies. And so I had a lot of time on my hands because nobody would agree to allow me to as a resident, to go in there, you know, and deliver the baby. So during that time, I got a copy of the Living Bible Mm -hmm. and began reading it. And it was just so remarkable. I mean, you know, I I guess I realized that I could be happy in life. And really, you know, I I didn't, I was kind of, you know, kind of codependent, to be honest with you. (laughs) This was happening after another breakup with a medical student that I was dating, and so I was all depressed about that. And reading this living Bible just made me realize that you could be happy through faith Mm. and that you didn't really have to have anybody necessarily in your life. You didn't have to necessarily be successful or, or whatever, but just having this deep religious faith was something that could make you happy. 
Now that that was a discovery that everything has flowed from since that time. Well, it's not only a remarkable personal story, but what's so exciting, I think a lot of people, as they're, they're listening right now, they, they might be saying, oh, we're here, is another story about a guy who's going to tell us we should all be Christians. And some of my listeners, they, are, they do come from a, a Christian orientation, but I've got others who are more secular, humanists in their orientation. I've got many people who listen who come from more traditional Native American uh, spiritual backgrounds, and they're not going to be on the same page necessarily with the Christian perspective. But what I find so remarkable, uh, Harold, about your work is you've really been validating the power of spiritual connections and something that is the subject of a new book of yours that really cuts across all spiritual lines. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I, as in my job here at Duke, as, you know, director of this center, um, you know, I need to be familiar with all of the major world religions and various forms of spirituality, because that's, that's kind of what, that's my role. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, as I began to read some of the traditions, um, some of the, the original scriptures, from, you know, I was mainly familiar when I got started with the Bible and Christianity and all that. Um, but, you know, I began reading some of the Hindu scriptures, the Upanishads, the Bhagavad Gita. And, uh, you know, I, I started also to read some of the Buddhist scriptures, the Dhammapada. And, and, and began reading the Quran. And soon, I guess, well, maybe not soon, it took a few years, soon I realized I noticed something. I noticed something in these, now these are original scriptures. These are not what somebody's commenting about the scripture or somebody's opinion. These are the original scriptures. And I just felt I recognized something in those scriptures that I saw in the Living Bible. Hmm. It was some common thread, and I think it was was God's voice, or whatever it was, however you want to say it. It was God speaking to people in various parts of the world and various traditions. But there was there was there was a good deal of certainly a good deal of commonality with regard to the values and the ethics um, across these traditions, which are virtually the same. Of course, you know, the exact teachings were different, mm-hmm. and you can't just, you know, ignore that. But I just got that sense that God was reaching out to people from every persuasion, every culture, every belief system, because he loves us. Mm. That, was, that, was, that was kind of the conclusion that I reached. And once, once I got to that conclusion, I had to be open. Well, it's not, it's not only an amazing conclusion, but it's something that you've not only brought into your work, but you've now written a book, and I've had the privilege of reading it. It's an amazing book. You've entitled the book, You Are My Beloved, and then there's a question that follows that, and the question is, really? Why such an interesting title for a book? Well, the really part is, is part of the looking for the evidence. You know, many people say, yes, God loves you. Okay, well, where's the evidence of that, you know, in the world? Hmm. And I read CNN 
uh, you know, the website, CNN News, you know, all day long, just about, on and off, uh, and Fox News and CBS. And, you know, what I'm, what I'm reading is not, you know, really evidence that God loves us, mm. <laughs> you know, at first glance. It doesn't appear to be. So uh, the really part is, you know, where is the evidence that God loves us? Where is that evidence? Let's look at some of these scriptures from the various faith traditions, from Christianity, Islam, Judaism, Hinduism, Buddhism. And is there any evidence that God really loves us? I mean, in Buddhism, there, you know, many people have said that it's atheistic. They don't even believe in God. But, you know, when you look at the scriptures, you realize that maybe God is hiding in there, but he's there. Mm. No, it's remarkable what you've done in the book, because you actually go through many of these great faith traditions, and you make a case, just like you're sharing with our listeners, that God is there, he's behind the scenes, and he may be called the Great Spirit, he may be called God, he may be called the Creator, uh, depends on what worldview you're coming from, but you make a case that regardless of where someone finds themselves. And I know many of my Native American listeners may pick up the book and they say, well, where is the, the Navajo beliefs? I mean, you, you, of course, couldn't cover every belief system. You, you don't have Native American spirituality explicitly addressed, do you? No, I haven't, I haven't addressed it explicitly. But I tried to make the book so that anyone who picked it up, anyone would get something out of it, you know, whatever their faith tradition, whatever their beliefs, and in, even including atheists, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, people who don't believe in anything, that they would get something out of, out of this book. At least it would help direct, you know, their lives in some way that ultimately might lead to a faith in something. This is, uh, this is inspiring, and it's inspiring because you tackle difficult questions. We're going to have to step away in just a moment, but before we do that, Harold, I want to give one more time uh, the title of the book, You Are My Beloved, really. And Harold, if someone has to leave us at this point, I mean, please, if you're listening, try to stay by if you can, but if someone has to run, where do they get a copy of your book? Well, Amazon.com is the best place to get it. So just go to Amazon and put in that title with the really at the end, a question mark at the end. Put in my last name, Koenig, and it should pop up right away. Okay, we're speaking with Harold Koenig. We have to step away. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We will be back with more in this engaging conversation. If you have questions about how could there be a loving God with all that's happening out there, that's what we're tackling in our next segment. Don't go away. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. This is Betty White. I know you don't need one more thing to worry about, but listen. High blood pressure can cause kidney damage, blindness, heart attack, stroke. And you can have high blood pressure even if you feel all right. One in seven adults has it, but it's easy to get your blood pressure checked, and you can treat it if it is too high. So don't worry about it. Don't ignore it. Just see your doctor and check it out. For your free booklet, visit the Will Rogers Institute at wrinstitute.org and find us on Facebook and Twitter. Emergency medical unit, respond to 102 Maple Avenue, possible stroke victim. When stroke occurs, you have 60 minutes to win or lose the race of your life. 
There are new treatments, but you must get to a hospital fast. If you suddenly feel weakness on one side, have trouble speaking, walking, or seeing, it could be a stroke. Call 911. Get to a hospital. Because how you spend the next 60 minutes could determine how you spend the rest of your life. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders in Stroke. If you receive disability benefits, keeping Social Security informed is key. Keeping us informed minimizes the chance that we learn about something later that could negatively affect your benefits. That's the surprise no one wants because it creates overpayments that you must repay, disrupts payments, and can even jeopardize your entitlement to Social Security benefits. Learn more about reporting responsibilities for people working and receiving disability or SSI benefits by reading our online publications, Working While Disabled, How We Can Help, and How Work Affects Your Benefits at www.socialsecurity.gov pubs. Some changes can be reported online at www.socialsecurity.gov. You can also notify us at 1-800-772-1213 or contact your local Social Security office. Our goal at Social Security is to pay you the right amount on time every month. With your cooperation to keep us informed of changes, the likelihood of any unpleasant surprises that could derail your benefits will be greatly minimized. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. You are back with Dr. David DeRose and with Dr. Harold Koenig. Dr. Koenig is a medical doctor. He also has a master's in health science. He is the director for the Center for Spirituality, Theology, and Health at Duke University. He's an esteemed researcher in the area of spirituality and health with what I would say are rather humble origins. If you haven't been with us from the beginning of the show, Harold has done everything from work in a gas station to farm to be an orderly and then a nurse before embarking on a career as a medical researcher. Harold, maybe I, you know, you've been gracious in disclosing some of your background. Maybe I should tell our listeners a little bit how you and I got connected. Sure, David. That sounds good. Well, I've known of Dr. Koenig's work for many years, and in fact, some of you who are regular listeners are aware that I and a couple of co-authors came out with a book recently called 30 Days to Natural Blood Pressure Control. And in that book, we're looking at all the things that can help people naturally lower their blood pressure, and we said we have to include a chapter on spirituality and health and how that impacts blood pressure. And one of the people that we quoted, actually some of the foundational research that we quote at the beginning of the chapter is actually from Dr. Koenig. And in the course of the book coming out and getting feedback from various people, uh, we actually had a pretty high-powered reviewer that looked at the book, acted like they really liked it, but raised some questions about why include spirituality in a book that's dealing with natural therapies for high blood pressure. And it was actually my co-author, uh, Dr. Greg Steinke, who said, well, you should try to get a hold of Dr. Koenig and, uh, you know, see if he'll, you know, weigh in on this discussion. You know, maybe we did something wrong or maybe this. And uh, so that was how we got connected. And you were very gracious. Maybe you saw all the mistakes that we had made, but you, you encouraged us with what we were doing, Harold, and we appreciated that. Absolutely. No, that that is a marvelous book. And I, I think the, I think the the chapter on spirituality is the is the centerpiece on which the whole thing is, you know, comes together. 
Well, I really, I think it's a critical chapter. It's so interesting to me when we speak about behavior change, and that's when we ever we speak about lifestyle and talking about how your diet, how exercise, how these things can impact you. Whether a person has a positive outlook on life, that's often going to affect whether they take an interest in their own health. And if I'm not mistaken, you've actually looked at that in your research, haven't you? Yes. There, you know, there's, there's no question that if someone is depressed and sad, that they're, they're going to have a hard time making changes in their life. Any change is tremendously difficult, as, as you know, David. And we resist change. But, you know, when you're depressed or, or you know, sad or trying to deal with some kind of trauma, you know, you just you want to keep everything as much the same as possible. You don't, and you don't have any energy to change. So, you know, having a, having a spiritual faith helps, gives people a sense of hope and optimism, which gives them motivation to help them to change. And the faith itself is, I think, David, very important. I know for myself, you know, uh, I have various addictions, you know, that I have to cope with it. <laughs> and, you know, my, my faith helps me tow those addictions mm-hmm. and keep them in line. If it wasn't for my faith, if, uh, if, you know, if I, you know, many a time I've said, okay, God, I am not going to do such and such. I swear to you, I'm not going to do mm. it. And, you know, it's helped me. It's helped me actually frame my behavior and help me to change in certain ways. So absolutely, that's, that's true. Well, and, it, you know, just since we're, uh, we're sharing our own, our own journeys, I mean, it's been true for me, too, because I was, a, I was a person who regarded myself an agnostic as a young adult, and God got my attention, too, and that really changed my own commitment to caring for my health. It just changed my whole perspective. Yeah, that's, that, that's one of the ways I think that, that God shows us that he loves us in a way that we don't expect. You know, that we go through difficult times, and, you know, you can't figure out why you're going through them. And many people ask, why, why me? Mm-hmm. But, you know, in, in, the, in the incredible, I guess, divine... Um, coordination of everything that happens in the world, it it can lead to something better. And that is what is so special, I think, about religious faith, is that no matter what happens to you, somehow God can use that in a way that that something good can come out of it. If you're listening, you know, if you're ignoring God in this, then, you know, you're going to have to deal with it on your own uh, the best way you can. Uh, but if, if you want some divine help, you know, listen for what can come out of that trauma, that tragedy, that pain. Boy, pain really gets your mm-hmm. ears open. We're speaking with Dr. Harold Koenig. He is the author of the book, You Are My Beloved, Really?, And if you've been with us from the top of the hour, you realize that Dr. Koenig has been making a case that regardless of what your spiritual background is, whether you're coming today from a traditional Native American perspective, whether you're a Buddhist, Muslim, whether you're an atheist, most people acknowledge, and you even have statistics about this in the book, most people acknowledge there's something beyond us, some greater being, a, a creator, a great spirit, and that this individual, might we say, has actually been demonstrating across 
cultural and ethnic boundaries that there really is someone that loves you and you can trust in that. That's a big part of what your book is about, isn't it, Harold? Yes, David, it really is. Trust, you know, trust in God is so important, is so important. But, you know, it does take time. It takes time and, and you have to look for evidence, you know, that God is trustworthy. And, mm. and some people, stuff has happened to them where, you know, they don't get that sense that if there is a God, this God doesn't seem to be very trustworthy. Mm-hmm. Part of it, I think, has to do, David, with with we don't see the whole picture. As I was as I was indicating earlier, we, we're not looking at it from kind of God's perspective. And uh, I, you know, I'm convinced, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm just convinced that we can trust God, that, that maybe God is the only only person we can really trust, that we can really put our lives, you know, in the hands of him. And, you know, believe it or not, one day we're going to be forced to put our hands in something hmm. that day when we die. You know, there's either going to be hands that catch us or there's not. So I, that's what kind of reminds me, at least for myself personally, it reminds me that there is going to come a day that all of us will face when we will have to trust in something. And science is not going to help us one bit on that day. Well, Harold, you have not shied away from asking difficult questions, and that's true in your book. You've got a chapter devoted to, does God exist? Uh, What is God like? But I think the, the chapter that will get a lot of attention, and for some who are tuning in today a bit skeptical, you asked this very important question, and that is, why does God allow evil? You're trying to make a case for a God who loves us. How do you answer that question? Why does God allow evil? Well, you know, that, that it's, a, it's a tremendous question that I've struggled with. Why does God allow terrible things to happen in this world? And in particular, you know, if you've had something bad happen to you, why, did, why does God allow that to happen? Now, you know, there are, there are many many reasons, and and maybe there are no reasons at the same time. But my sense is that this is evil, believe it or not, is, is evidence that God loves us. Now, you got you got to explain that for us, Harold. Yeah, so this is a tough one, you know, evil. I don't think, I mean, if you look at this logically, I don't think that good would even be possible without evil. I mean, if there was, if there was no evil... If people couldn't decide to do bad things, then what value would there be in, in doing good things? And, you know, this, this leads further to this notion that we have choice. We are not mm. just simply robots. We are not just, you know, if God took away all the evil in the world and made everybody do the right thing, you know, how would we be any different than a robot? How would love even be possible? Mm-hmm. The freedom to choose not to love, not to believe in God, that makes love possible. That makes God possible in many respects. If we, it makes us possible as individual human beings that are free, that are free to choose for or to choose against. That's what makes love possible. I think there's an amazing answer. It's very much the, the same perspective that I've shared for many years, and yet... As you're looking in your book 
at the cause of evil, you don't go back like many traditional societies and speak about some cosmic struggle or uh, an evil being or, you know, whether you go to the corners of Indian country and talk about some of their beliefs in a creation story. You, you don't go back that far. You just focus on this decision, making this choice, this freedom of choice that the Creator has given us. And then when we talk about evil, you actually come up with an explanation that really puts the ball in our courts. And we're going to come and look at that in some detail. You don't want to miss where Dr. Koenig is going with that. But just to give you a taste of it, in his book, he often talks uh, to us about how we bemoan how there can be a God when there's all these people dying of starvation. He points out to us that more people are dying from obesity and overeating than starvation. And the question is, how can God allow that? Think about that for the next couple of minutes. We're going to come back with Dr. Koenig. We'll hear his answer and go from there. I'm Dr. DeRose. Stay tuned for more. American Indian Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. So, you want to be a hero. Here are some ways to get the job. Hunt down that killer shark. Or run into a burning house to save a kitten. Luckily, there's an easier way to become a hero. Call 911 if you see someone experiencing the symptoms of stroke, sudden weakness on one side, or trouble speaking, walking, or seeing. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. You'll be a real hero. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke. Can you guess what's going on here? It's kids getting fit. Studies show that children and teens who get at least 60 minutes of physical activity a day reduce the risk of obesity, heart disease, anxiety, and increase their overall mood. So whether it's around your neighborhood or at school, just get out and play. For your free booklet, visit WRInstitute.org or call toll-free 877-957-7575 and find us on Facebook and Twitter. The Will Rogers Institute since 1936. My name is Tom Thornton. And my name is Cindy Thornton. We're retired, and this is how we live United. We decided to volunteer with United Way at our community free health clinic. United Way is how we contribute. Because we know our time and money are going to the right places. Judging by the thank yous we get at the clinic, I'd say we're doing the right thing with our retirement, too. We're Tom and Cindy Thornton. We volunteer at our community free health clinic. We don't just wear the shirt. We live it. Give, advocate, volunteer, live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Diabetes affects more than 29 million Americans. If left untreated, diabetes can lead to serious health problems such as heart disease, stroke, blindness, and kidney disease. Your family's health history can be an important factor in determining your risk of developing diabetes. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you and your family. Do all you can to prevent or delay the onset of type 2 diabetes. Visit yourdiabetesinfo.org to learn more. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. You're back with Dr. David DeRose. My guest, Harold G. Koenig. Dr. Koenig is the director 
for the Center for Spirituality, Theology, and Health at Duke University. He's an esteemed researcher in the field of spirituality and health. In fact, I think, Harold, you're the lead author of probably the most comprehensive volume on spirituality and health, and I'm thinking that publication from Oxford. Uh, For those who are professionals, tell us a little bit about that. Well, you're referring to, David, uh, the book is The Handbook of Religion and Health. Handbook of Religion and Health, which is in two volumes, one published in 2001 and the other in 2012. And it pretty much covers all of the research that's been done on religion, spirituality, and any kind of health outcome you can imagine, from psychological to social to behavioral to you know, to physical, it covers, it covers it. But, you know, it is very highly focused on the research, mm-hmm. on trying to see objectively what, what's been done out there in, in, in psychology, in sociology, in medicine, in public health. What, what's the research when you just objectively try to look at it, not done by people who are religious, but people who are just happen to measure it, what, what do they find? So that's what that book is about. It's, it helps researchers, and it's to some degree for clinicians, who want to know a little bit more about this connection. What is the connection between a person's faith and their health from a research standpoint? So before we come back to your book and this question of why God allows suffering, I know many want to hear your answer, but to give us a 30-second synopsis of your extensive research on this field, does spirituality really have an impact on health? David, yes, you know, yes, it does. Yes, it does. And it's the evidence is so overwhelming now. I think, you know, even since that book was written, but, you know, the research book, the Handbook of Religion and Health, the research has just been exploding, confirming time after time, that religious people are healthier. I mean, just a couple of months ago, the Harvard School of Public Health published in the Journal of the American Medical Association two articles on this, showing that, that you know, these are huge studies, 70,000, 80,000 randomly selected people across the United States showing that religious people are living longer. Mm. They have, you know, they have overall greater longevity. They are less likely to die of cancer, of cardiovascular disease. Um, and, and they don't commit suicide as often. I mean, and the associations are remarkably strong. That's the thing. And, and all of this would be expected if religious involvement is related to better mental health, better coping, greater hope and optimism and well-being, all of that because of the mind-body relationship. Mm-hmm. Our thoughts, our beliefs, our emotions directly impact the natural healing systems in the body, the immune system, the cardiovascular system, all of those systems. They're impacted by that. Well, Harold, we've now got to address that elephant in the room because some people are saying, well, I'd love to have all these benefits, but I just can't believe in a God when there's all this suffering around us. And back to my question then, as we were 
closing out the last segment. It really wasn't so much a question as an observation that you make in your book. You say, we struggle with how there can be a loving God with all these people starving. But you bring up this very interesting statistic about many more people dying in the world from overeating and obesity. And you basically beg the question, well, how do we deal with that? How can there be a loving God allowing that? No one asks that question. Why do you put these things together? And why do you think no one asks, why is there a loving God if people are dying from obesity? Well, um, you know, it really, really, David, it, it comes back to this wonderful ability that we have to choose. Mm. Wonderful ability to choose. So we make choices in life, and they are either aligned aligned with the divine will, or they are not. And when the choices are not aligned with the divine will, problems happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the reason why <laughs> why things are called sin is because they hurt us. And God loves us so much, he doesn't want us to hurt. Mm. He wants us to be free, to be happy, to be to have meaning and purpose and to get up each day and you know and serve him. And there's plenty there's plenty of work to do around, plenty of work. And when you are serving God and following the divine will, again, you, you not only are you not having to deal with a lot of other issues and complications from following your own desires, but you've got the divine will in back of you. So you've got all that power behind you, helping you. And that is, that is just the most incredible thing in the world, to be able to experience that. Now, the evil, again, results from our poor choices. Now, some, some of it does not. Now, I, I acknowledge that. Some people, you know, you get hit by a drunken driver. You know, you were driving the speed limit. You got hit by a drunken mm-hmm. driver who made a bad choice. Uh, or you might have been affected by a hurricane. Or a tornado may have killed your children or, or maimed your, you know, your loved ones in some way. You know, why did, how, why does God allow that? And that's really the, the toughest thing. You know, it's easy to say, okay, we're making bad choices and, and other people are making bad choices too, and now we have to suffer over that because we're not doing things the way God has told us to do it because he loves us and he knows what we need to do. Now this issue of nature, nature causing us suffering, and that's a, that's a tough one. The, the only way, David, the only way I can explain that is that is that really that nature also, well, you know, it, this one does this explanation does go back to the fall of man. Okay. It does go back to the creation story. You know, things were pretty good according to the creation story. Okay. Prior to Adam and Eve deciding that they didn't want to do what God wanted them to do. You know, things were great. I mean, nature even behaved itself then. There were no Mm. tornadoes or hurricanes, you know, supposedly, based on the scriptures. And then, you know, nature is to make the wrong decision. And 
that choice to choose other than God or God's will by eating that fruit, by eating that fruit, because humans are part of nature, nature itself then began to depart from God's will. Nature Mm -hmm. itself, whereas nature was behaving prior to that, since part of nature, i.e. humans, chose not to abide by God's will, therefore the rest of nature somehow was also released. And that is the only thing I can I can say to try to explain why, you know, why something horrible happens to you and it it was just due to nature or some random event that nobody had made a bad decision that directed that, then it, it just has to be because we're just human, we're part of nature, and now we have to deal with it. You know, and I don't know, you know, that's just the way it is. <laughs> Well, no, I, I mean, I appreciate you tackling these questions. And I think from having read through your book, I was inspired that you're actually engaging with the questions. I mean, sure, there's things that we don't understand. And I think anyone can make a case uh, if there really is a creator. And both you and I have come to that conclusion in our own experience. If this creator is really greater than us and all loving, I mean, there's going to be things that we can't fully fathom in our humanity. So... Definitely. I think we're you and I are on the same page. I think many of my listeners are. But I want to bring this down to another group, another group of individuals that you especially seem to have an unusual amount of compassion for. You've, in fact, dedicated your book. And for those just joining us, the book we're talking about by Dr. Harold G. Koenig is called You Are My Beloved, Really. Uh, the dedication is to veterans and active duty service members. You've devoted an entire chapter to them as well. Why do you have such compassion for this particular group of individuals? Well, you know, I just realize more and more as I'm getting older and as I'm watching the news that uh we are so privileged in this country, you know, to be able to live freely, mm. to not have to worry about somebody, you know, coming in, taking our stuff, or, you know, or telling us we can't worship God or whatever. We are just so fortunate when you look at what is happening all around the world. And, you know, our veterans, our soldiers, our military is, is really what, what is enabling that to happen. It's, mm. it's enabling, allowing us to be able to live free. And it's also allowing people around the world to live free because, because of our military and because of the threat of our military. Now, when our military, you know, goes into action, many times, you know, they're having to do things that that hurt them, that hurt them very deeply. They're having to kill. They're having to watch others killed. They're having to see their their comrades killed. And it's creating deep wounds in their souls. And, you know, that's creating a lot of post-traumatic stress disorder. And, you know, not now, now David, you know I'm a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. And so I see many, many people who are suffering horribly with these very deep, deep diseases like PTSD or severe depression or substance abuse. And, you know, the one thing that I see as I take care of patients 
is that many of them are incredibly isolated. Mm. They're isolated. They're lonely. They can't trust anyone. Many of them have lost their faith. They lost their belief that there is a God that loves them. And so that's the reason why I'm so dedicated <laughs> to, to try to help, you know, uh, veterans uh, and military. And, and my dad was a veteran of World War II, and my father-in-law was also. And uh, I was in the service for a very short time, although... That's an entirely new story, other story, so you don't want to hear about that. But okay. in any case, that's where it comes from. I, I think veterans really need to know that God does love them, even if they've killed, even if they've had to do, even if they've been scared and have, have fled from, you know, have been cowards, that God still loves them, and they can start at any moment to experience that love. Well, it was a beautiful, uh, beautiful concept, and we want to come back to it because it applies not only to active duty service members, but it applies to people that have suffered historical trauma and other terrible things in life, whether it's your person, whether it's your family, whether it's your tribe, your race. We're going to be looking at some incredible things in our final segment of today's edition of American Indian Living. Dr. Koenig is staying by. I am too. Don't you go away. We will be back. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. One day, I'll teach chemistry to kids. I'm going to be an architect. My dream is to be a chef. At the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Federal Student Aid, we provide more than $150 billion each year in grants, loans, and work-study funds, making higher education possible for anyone at any stage of life. I can go back to college. I can change careers. I can make a difference. Federal Student Aid, proud sponsor of the American Mind. Learn more about money for college at studentaid.gov. Diabetes is a serious disease that runs in families. If your parents or siblings have type 2 diabetes, you have a greater chance of getting the disease. If you're African American, Hispanic, or Latino, American Indian, Alaska Native, Asian American, Native Hawaiian, or Pacific Islander, you also have a higher chance of developing the disease. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you understand your risk. Visit the NDEP website at yourdiabetesinfo.org for diabetes prevention tools, including the Family Health History Quiz. It started off as a normal day. I felt fine when I arrived at the plant. Ruth Junius's life was about to change. Then I dropped my keys. They kept slipping out of my hand. My arm felt numb. A co-worker asked me if I was okay, and I couldn't speak. I started to get scared. Ruth was having a stroke. People around her weren't sure what to do. They thought I should go home or lie down, but I knew something was very wrong. I wrote 911 on a piece of paper with my other hand. And someone called for me. Because everyone acted quickly, doctors at the hospital were able to give Ruth treatment that started to reverse the symptoms. Within a few minutes, I was talking again. I didn't know a thing about stroke before I had one. Now I make sure that my friends and family know all the signs of stroke so they'll get help fast if they need it. No stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. Call 1-800-352-9424 for more information. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, National Institutes of Health. 
You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to our final segment of today's edition of American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. With me, Dr. Koenig, well-known in the medical research community. He is the author of many books and publications. He is the director of the Center for Spirituality, Theology, and Health at Duke University. And Harold, we've been speaking about your work, and I know many of the professionals listening in today, they say, I mean, this book sounds great. They've been hearing us speak about your latest work, and uh, I know many people will probably want to pick up that book, You Are My Beloved, really. But others are saying, you know, I want more of the scientific data, too. Do you make that available through Duke, or have we got to find books like the uh, Handbook of Religion and Health and pick that up? Well, David, you know, our website, our center website, has a ton of information that readers can look at, can read. A lot of it's for free. I mean, there are videos there. You know, you can sign up for for our e-newsletter. I write it every month and summarize the latest research in the field that's coming out in mainstream medical and psychology journals. So really, if you're looking for the science that backs up any of this, it's going to be there. Oh, that's fantastic. Now, now give us that website. It's www.spiritualityandhealth, all one word, spiritualityandhealth.duke, D-U-K-E, dot E-D-U, as an education. www.spiritualityandhealth.duke, dot E-D-U. Very good. So I can go to the Spirituality and Health website there. It's a Duke University website. And I can sign up for this free newsletter once a month. I'm going to hear from you. Yes, you get it once a month. We've got about 6,000-plus people getting it. And uh, many people find it. The, the research, I summarize it. I find it. People send me studies even before they're published. Hmm. And I just summarize them briefly and make a comment on it. You know, is this good? Is this bad? About the methodology. Very good. So spiritualityandhealth.duke.edu. Correct. I've got it. And for those who are wanting to pick up the book, You Are My Beloved Really, that's Amazon or link on your website too? No, there's no link to the book on the website. You Are My Beloved is, is a personal book. It's, you know, where my passion lies. But it's not that scientific so to speak. It's based on scriptures. The science is the original scriptures. But, you know, our site is really considered, you know, one of the world's, well, it is kind of the world's top research center, and we train people to do research there. So I I, kind of want to keep it a little bit separate. Sure, sure. Well, I understand that. So remember the name of Dr. Koenig. It's K-O-E-N-I-G. The title of the book, if you've been engaged by the dialogue today, is You Are My Beloved, Really?, and since we're on back on that topic, we've got to talk about where we left off the last segment. We were talking about service members, whether they're active duty, whether they, many years ago, were serving in a foreign conflict. They had traumatic uh, events happen. It didn't have to be overseas. It could be anywhere. It could be here on our own soil. And they're now suffering from something that's called post-traumatic stress disorder, 
Help us see that a little bit, because we're trying to talk about a God of love. Isn't PTSD a particular problem as far as experiencing the emotion of love, for example? Yes. PTSD is, is, a, is a trauma that has both got physical consequences in the brain as well as moral consequences in terms of it's called moral injury. And, uh, you know, both of those aspects need healing for a person to be whole again. And that, that trauma uh, really kind of destroys people's lives. It's related to suicide. It's many, many people with PTSD, you know, get divorced. They, they can't give love and they can't receive it. Mm. And that is the central factor, I think, that isolates people so much is that they can't receive it and they can't give it. So this book is designed to help veterans, those with PTSD, active duty military, to once again realize that they are loved. They are loved by God, no matter what they did. And then to pass that love on. See, that's really the key. To experience God's love over the long term, you have to pass it on and the passing it on generates even more of god's love it's it's (laughs) it's really kind of amazing now if you cut yourself off from god's love then you don't have that you don't have that love to be able to give out you're depending on your on the other person doing good things for you and to you and if they don't then you get mad at them Mm -hmm. but if you've got god's love your tank is full and you can give it to others. And when you do that, you're right on. You are right smack on to God's will because God loves everyone. And if you can help God by loving them the way he loves you, that's going to reduce suffering and it's going to heal that trauma that you may have experienced in the past. Well, this is this is amazing because I know this is speaking not just to people who've been in military service, and of course, many, many Native Americans have been, but others have suffered traumas that have caused PTSD or have been factors in their development of PTSD that have no connection with military service. Uh, I can think of people that I've rubbed shoulders with over the years, many of whom were traumatized during this uh, boarding school era where they were forced to be away from their family, uh, put in sometimes very uh, difficult and painful situations. Some of them could be theoretically dealing with PTSD from something of that level of trauma. Is that correct? That's very, very true, David. Yes. Things have, we're all traumatized to some extent by various things that are happening in our lives. I mean, it's incredible People all over the world are going through trauma in one way or another. And if you're not used to trauma, little stuff can even be traumatizing. Mm -hmm. You know, so this really, this is a message for everyone, not just soldiers and veterans. But, you know, I, I really got passionate about because every time I see a patient, I have to look and I have to see that pain in them. And I don't know, David. I'm pretty doggone convinced myself. Now, I may be completely deluded here, but it just seems to me that if they knew that God loved them, that they would feel better about themselves and they would make 
better partners in, in, in their relationships, and they would be more successful in their business. Mm-hmm. They would just, their lives would just start to bloom. And I, I guess one of the reasons why I'm so convinced of this is because it's happened to me. Mm-hmm. I've had that experience. You know, again, I haven't been traumatized like many people listening have. You know, nowhere near that. But in my vulnerability and, you know, my my experiencing trauma from my tiny traumas, for me, you know, life didn't didn't really change. And this has been over 30 years until I made that choice. Powerful. Well, Harold, believe it or not, the clock is going to win again. It's just racing. And yet, I got one last question that I want to ask you. See if you can squeeze it in. This It's impossible to do it, but in one minute, how does someone experience God's love, especially if they don't feel it? If you're not feeling God's love, there can be many reasons for it. One is that pain and suffering block it out. Hmm. If you're having so much pain, when you're going through the pain, you can't really, it blocks out this feeling of God's love. You have to just literally believe that God loves you without having any feeling of it at all. Mm. And there are other things, you know, that block God's love. You know, if there is something else in your life other than God that you're worshiping, then most of the major religions say this. They say that unless God is first in your life, then you're going to have problems. It's, it's basically idolatry. Wow. If if a person, if a thing is more important to you than God, the first commandment is that thou shalt have no other gods before me. The reason why that first commandment is first is because when you do have other gods, you're enslaved to them. And God doesn't want that. He wants you to be free. Beautiful thoughts, Harold. I'll tell you, we've got a God who values freedom, who's been so gracious in pointing us to the best way, whether we call him the creator, the great spirit, whether we're listening from Indian country with Native American spiritual uh, history, or whether we're coming from a different perspective. I know there's so much more you could share with us. We've communicated some of that off air. His book, You Are My Beloved, really. You've got to pick up a copy. I really recommend it. I've enjoyed it. It's on Amazon. Harold, we have got to go, but before we do, any closing thoughts? David, I have to remind myself every day that I'm God's beloved. I read a little phrase that says, You are my beloved. My favor rests on you. Tremendous. I'm telling you, you've got to remind yourself because you'll forget. Tremendous. That's Harold G. Koenig director of the Center for Spirituality, Theology, and Health at Duke University. We've got to go. I'm Dr. David DeRose for all of us at American Indian Living, wishing you the very best of health. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.